Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. My name's Adrian, but my wife's name is Lisa, and she's sitting right there. She's five foot four, comes up about right here. She has blonde hair and blue eyes, and she is a righteous fox. Cha-ching. She's all in a bucket of chicken. Where's Rafa? Okay, so listen. Listen, uh, uh, I just think married men should brag about their wives. You understand what I'm saying? I'm tired of Christian men, not, you know, be, not being passionate about their wives. And so we're going to practice real quick. I want all the married men to stand up. Take your time. Hurry up. Let's go. All the married men stand up. Take your time. Hurry up. Let's go. I saw a couple of you moving. Are you married yet? Because you moved. I saw what you you Come on. Maybe someday, 1,500 years from now. Okay, so, uh, so when I say go, whoever's allowed us gets a free resource off our table. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. We'll pay for it later, okay? All right. Whoever's allowed us gets a free resource. Now, we have some good resources back there. I'm telling you guys, we have some training stuff. Oh, you're not going to get a free training thing, but I'm just saying, we got some free resource. I mean, it's some awesome. Whoever's allowed us, you, know, you guys are disqualified, but I still need you to be loud. Actually, no, I think you're fine. Okay, so when I say go, you got 10 seconds to brag about your wives out loud all at the same time. You understand the rules? On your mark, get set, go. Five seconds, four, turn up three. All right, good job, good job, good job, good job. All right, all right, now listen, this guy here about jerked his wife's arm off. So I gotta give it to you. And then over here I heard last thing he said was 32 years, really? That's how old Jesus was, I guess he was 33, so one more year. Okay, listen, get you, if you got your Bibles, we're gonna be in the book of 1 Corinthians, take your time here at 1 Corinthians chapter three. We are gonna be doing a crazy, crazy message tonight. And I, I've never done this before in, in my preaching history career. That's 31 messages times 400 messages a year, 31 years, 30 times 400, that's 12,000 messages I've preached in my life, plus about a bunch more before that because when I was a youth pastor. Uh, but I've never done this before. This message is so crazy, you may wanna get on your phones right now and get your friends here because I'm gonna take these tree branches and I'm gonna shove them down my pants, okay? So you guys need to, you guys may need to see what that is. You may want to get on your phones and tell them to get here. I know there's a bunch of people who are wondering, should I go, should I not go? Maybe a go, bunch of So you have my permission to go ahead and do that right now while I'm going through a little introduction, shrinkle, book, shrinkle, book. I've never done that before in my life. I've never asked people to. <laughs> I feel a little guilty about it. <laughs> okay, I don't care. Okay, let's keep, let's play some ball. We're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you want to know what my favorite book in the Bible is, it's the book of 1 Corinthians. <laughs> okay, let me explain why. 1 Corinthians, the first four chapters, there's division in the church among the believers. One group is following Paul, one group is following Apollos, one group is following Peter, one group is following Christ. And Paul says, what is Christ divided? I'm glad I didn't baptize a lot of you except for Stephanus and household of Gaius. And then I don't remember who else I may have baptized. So there's division in the church, first four chapters. Chapter five, a guy commits incest with his stepmother after his father had just died. Paul said, hand his body over to Satan so his body be destroyed and his spirit be saved. That's chapter five. Chapter six, Christians are taking other Christians to court and suing each other. And Paul says, why not rather be wrong? Why not? And you're, do, you're doing this in front of unbelieving uh, uh, judges and whatnot. Chapter seven, 
problems in marriage, not concerning what you asked me about marriage, issues in marriage, because a thousand prostitutes a night stormed the streets of uh, Corinth every night, and the men would beckon them into their doors every single night, so they didn't know how to be married. Chapter 8, eat meat sacrificed to idols. And behind every idol is a, anybody know? Demon. So they're eating meat sacrificed to demons. Then there's chapter 9, propriety and worship problems. Everybody's speaking in tongues at the same time. They're hanging on their chandeliers. I'm going to see the adventure. They're going crazy and there's no order. Chapter 10, uh, something bad happens. And chapter 11, so that organized issues. Is a, chapter 13, love. Chapter 14, problem. It's like issue after issue after issue in the book of First Corinthians. I know my wife is OCD, so she just heard me go through several chapters in a row and I didn't finish it. I'm sorry I didn't finish it. I just went blank. Score. Okay, so watch this now. Corinthians is my favorite book of the Bible. Why? Because it's a picture. It's a picture of the church today. I love 1 Corinthians. It's the best picture, I think, of all the books in the Bible of the church today, of the struggles that we are having, me, myself included. I'm probably the worst sinner in this room. Uh, who's older than me? Dwight? I think you're a little bit older than me. Dwight, Dwight's oldest, so he's the worst. So, listen. All I know is this, it's because I'm, I'm 152 years older than you, I have more sins than you. I have more sins than I brought before the Lord and confessed before God. And so, so I know sins better than you do. I'm the worst sinner in this room because of my age, other than Dwight, my boss. <laughs> Welcome to Moses. Okay, so watch this now. So I'm just saying, 1 Corinthians is a great book for us to deal with issues that we're dealing with. This morning we talked about shame. Tonight we're going to talk about guilt. So this is perfect setup here. I love this setup. Johnny, where's Johnny V? Is he in here? Johnny V? Oh, God, get him on the phone and get him in here. Slap him for me. Would you slap him? Okay, so, so watch this now. So, so 1 Corinthians, there's a place called a, a fulcrum. Anybody ever heard of a fulcrum? You know what a fulcrum is? Anyway, you know what a fulcrum is for real? A shot putter should know what a fulcrum is. Exactly right. It's the weight on which there's a balance for a seesaw. That point right there is called a fulcrum. The fulcrum for the book of 1 Corinthians is chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. And that's the passage we're going to study. It's a construction theme tonight. That's why I've got some sticks up here and some bricks right here. It's a construction theme. I'm going to give you the, if you're taking notes, or I'm going to give you three points. The first point is going to be don't have an empty lot. The second point is going to be build with bricks, not with sticks. And the third point is going to be the finished product. So that's the whole sermon right there in a nutshell, and I'll break it down. But we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. Paul says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else was building on it. But each one should be careful I builds because no one can lay any foundation other than the one or delay, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds in this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. For the day, in your Bibles, look at it, in your Bibles is the word day capitalized. Yeah, yes, only one person has a Bible with their word capitalized. Nobody else has a Is it capitalized in yours? Come on, Luther, man. You sound like Luther Vandross over there, man. That sounds so good. But Jesus, I just may make a fiddle. It was so good. Okay, sorry. All right, what was I saying? I forgot what I was saying. Lisa, what was I saying just now? Yeah. Ah, 
they, why is it capitalized? The reason why it's capitalized in your Bible, for those of you who have Bibles that have it capitalized, I think it's capitalized in the ESV, so it should be, NAS is capitalized in there. So it, it, it's referring to a specific day. Now, if you want to put it in your, in your column there, you're allowed to write in your Bible. It's not a sin. It's just two cows squeezing a tree, so you're allowed to write in your Bible. Leather and paper, two cows, she's shaking your head no. Don't shake your head no. He almost pulled your arm off. You should shake your head yes. Okay, so, so um, um, you're like, I would write in your Bible 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, all of us who are Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ's judgment and be judged for the deeds done well in the body, whether good or bad. So all of us, have you ever wondered what happens to unconfessed sins? Well, unconfessed sins will all be burned off at the judgment seat of Christ's judgment. Now there's two different judgments that, that we could possibly go to in this room. One is called the judgment seat of Christ's judgment, or in Greek the word is bema seat, and the other one's the great white throne judgment, which happens a thousand years after the judgment seat of Christ's judgment, after the millennial reign. Great white throne judgment. Okay, so watch this now. So, when you're standing before the judgment seat of Christ's judgment, everything's going to be revealed by fire. So, this passage is saying, the day will bring it to light. What you've built with will be brought to light. It will be revealed with fire. The fire is going to test the quality of each man or woman's work. If what you have built survives the fire, you will be rewarded. If it's burned off, you will suffer loss. But you yourself will be saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? Very few people know what I'm getting ready to talk about. Very few people know that there's a tremendous reward system in heaven. Very few people know that. I mean, hardly anybody. See, we think, well, I'm saved. Once saved, always saved. Well, eternal security, I'm glad. For those of you who don't believe in eternal security, that's okay. Too. I don't care. But I'm just saying this. I'm saying, when you're saved, people think that's it. You don't, you don't know. When we die, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord Jesus himself is going to reward us. Or somehow we're going to suffer loss. Now, do you want to have a bunch of ashes around you from the wood, hay, and straw? Or would you like to have gold, silver, and costly stones that you could throw at the feet of Jesus and, and it's a tremendous reward system? I don't know how it's going to work up there in glory. All I know is this passage says, the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire. The fire is going to test the quality of each man's work. Am I going too fast here, uh, Santiago? He's from Mexico. He says no. I'll get it in a second. I go over like 1,722 times because repetition is my goal. Okay, so here it is. So, first, so we're going to do three different points. Don't have an empty lot, build with bricks, not with sticks, and the finished product from this passage right here, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. Let's go to the first point, verse 10. Uh, Paul says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. See, let me explain to you what I think the problem is here. Um, if you were to take a rope and put it around the world, how long is that distance? Anybody know that distance? 22, 23,000 miles, something like that? I don't know if, uh, just roughly 23,000 miles. All right, take a rope, put it around the world, 23,000 miles. Take one foot of that rope and put duct tape around it, black duct tape around it, one foot of the rope. Boom. That one foot represents your entire life from this point on. How old are you? 17, 18, 19, 20, 22. So, hut, yeah, you know what I'm saying? How old are you now? 48, 42? 43, that's what I said. Okay, so watch this. Okay, so, so, um, 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 so take the rope, put it around the world. One foot represents your entire life. The rest of the rope represents one second of eternity. And yet most people make decisions, more decisions on the one foot than the rest of the rope. For some reason, we can't wrap our minds around eternity. Like here, here 
put, put it like this. Take a piece of paper and the top half of the piece of paper, draw a line on it at 10 miles an hour. We'll say that's 10 miles an hour. Just work with me. 10 miles an hour for 24 hours a day. That'd be 240 miles. Uh, seven days a week, I'd be 240 miles. And then, and then do it for 50 years. One kid did the math for me one time while I was preaching. He came up and brought me three pages of notes, math notes, numbers. It's 1.726 trillion inches long is that line. I know someone's thinking it'd just be a dark line because it's, okay, just work with me here. So the line is 1.726 trillion inches long. The bottom half of the sheet of paper, just do a little mark, a little chicka pop, a little scratch. That little scratch represents your entire life. And yet most of our decisions are made on that scratch and not on the rest of the, the, the rope that's going to last forever and forever and forever and forever. So tonight I want to try to give you a picture of what it's going to look like when you stand before God. I would like for Jesus to say to you, great job. I saw how tough it was for you, but you never gave up. Wait till you see what I got. I want to hear the Lord say to you guys, well done my good and faithful servant. What is he going to say? What is he going to say to people who haven't done well? Anybody in the room know what Jesus is going to say to anyone who hasn't done well, who's actually saved? You know why there's no one answering right now? One, because you don't ever talk back in church like you're supposed to. Come on, throw me a bone here. I know some of y'all come to church from churches that talk back. But number two, the Bible doesn't say. The Bible does not give us the answer for what he's going to say to somebody who hasn't done well. We just know what he's going to say to someone who has done well. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, uh, by, the Paul's, by the grace God has given me, Paul says, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. He was the one that came in with a cement truck, beep, 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 and laid the foundation of Christ and smoothed it out. He's the one who started the church in Corinth. He was the church planter. He was the one who started the church in Corinth. That's what the first verse is talking about. By the grace God has given me, Paul says, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Paul knows it's God. I know it's God when I speak a different place. I know the Lord's speaking. I'm not stupid. I'm, well, I'm not dumb. I hear you, Charlie. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Okay, so, so, so by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation of an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. It's talking about Apollos' disciple and training him. So he says, it's, it's, I laid the foundation. So the question is, the first point is, do you have the foundation of Christ in your life, or do you have an empty lot? And what do I mean by that? Have you ever dr- driven by a sign that said for sale, and it was just a bunch of trees? Like, what's that for? They're selling an empty lot. Is Christ your Savior? Have you given your life to Christ? You know, most people believe in God because they don't want to go to hell. That makes sense to me. I had a guy telling me down here in Five Points when I was preaching one time in Five Points. Uh, the guy said, I would rather reign in hell than, than serve. I would, rather, I would rather burn in hell. I would rather burn in hell, reign in hell than serve in heaven. And I said, hey, that's from Def Leppard. I knew that from 1982. I remember that song, uh, whatever Def Leppard song that was, and even backwards masking, it says, I would rather reign in hell than serve. Hey, I know that song. I believe in hell too. And I looked at him and said, that's awesome. And the guy looks at me like, huh? I said, you know what the Bible says about hell? Weeping and gnashing of teeth, outer darkness and suffering. There was a guy who, uh, I heard this story. I heard from a friend of mine named Aiden McKenzie. I don't know if it's a true story. Aiden says he didn't know if it's a true story or not. It was told as if it's a true story. I don't know for sure. But a guy had a keg party in his house. And uh, 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 when the keg ran dry, this PhD student in chemistry, when the keg ran dry, his self-esteem was wrapped up in the party and people started leaving. 
So he said, I need to keep people here. So he went back and got some chemicals out of the back of his house and brought a medicine dropper, a teaspoon, a glass jar, a glass cup. And he took a, 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 a teaspoon full of water and took a medicine dropper of this chemical and dropped it in the water. And boom, big fire came up. And everyone said, fireworks, this is awesome. So everybody stayed. Then they kind of got used to that quickly. So the guy said, I'm going to take a cup full of the, of the, chem, of the uh, water and take a teaspoon full of the chemical, dip that in, <laughs> big old flame came up. Oh, that's awesome. People stayed for a little bit. Then they started getting used to that. So he said, okay, one last time. He fills the sink up with water and takes a glass full of the chemical. He'd been drinking too much himself that night, tripped over the rug right in front of the sink and splashed the chemical all over his body. And then his hands hit the water and the water splashes up on him and whoa, he turns into an instant torch. He's running around the house screaming, writhing in pain. The people had the wherewithal to no take the rug that they tripped over and slammed it on him and started patting the rug on him and get, get the fire out as quick as they could. But the problem is they didn't let the, 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 the acid, the chemical burn off. So when the ambulance came and they put him on the gurney and had the, the strap right there, the, the nylon strap started sweating underneath it. So, so the fire from the sweat, because when the sweat hit, the, it, the fire melted the gurney strap into his skin and he broke himself free and started running around. So they got him into the ambulance, they had to turn off all the oxygen and take all the stuff that could burn out. And they got him to the hospital. Then there were two resident doctors stuck up against the wall looking at this guy, writhing in pain. The more he would fight, the more he would sweat and fire would just bounce off of his skin, just foo, 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 little fires from the sweat drops. A well-meaning nurse comes in with a cool wet rag and wipes his forehead and his forehead catches on fire right here and the, the rag's on fire and he throws it down. It, it, the guys are stuck to the wall sitting there looking at the guy. He's writhing and burning. He's burning alive right there in front of him. And the guy sits up and says, I'm in hell. I'm in hell. Screaming at him. The doctor runs in from the emergency room. I've heard this story. I've heard this story. I don't know for sure. Runs in there, slams him down, sedates him. They take a little bit of time to figure out what the, what the acidic solution was and what it was. Well, hey, what's up, coach? Good to see you. <laughs> okay, sorry. Squirrel. Okay, so, so they, put this, they put a basic solution on to neutralize the acid all over his body. I heard the guy lived. They took, the, took some uh, skin grass from his back and put it on his front all over his front. And I heard, I heard that the Christian doctor, I heard the doctor was a Christian doctor. Comes up to these two guys who are stuck against the wall, who have seen torture right in front of their faces. And the Christian doctor said, that's the worst pain you'll see in your entire life. And there's no pain you'll ever see that's worse than that. Can you imagine that for eternity? Man, it'd be stupid to go to hell when he walks off. So why wouldn't people say, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus? I mean, it makes sense to me. Listen, don't let that be the reason why you want to go to heaven. Say in your soul and in your heart, Lord, I'm sorry about my sins, and I want to give you control of my life, and I don't care what anybody else thinks about that. I love you. I want you. I don't want hell to be the reason why I go to heaven. So make sure, no matter what it costs you, that you have a, a, a foundation of Christ in your life. Whatever it costs you. I don't care what it costs you. Your reputation, whatever. As an athlete, I used to get made fun of all the time for being this Joe Christian guy. I look at him, you know, at any point I can be what you guys are, but uh, you're going to have to give your life to Jesus to be what I am. And I'll just say this right now. I, I didn't care what people thought about me. I wanted Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. And so I had the foundation of Jesus in my life. Now, the second point is build with bricks, build with bricks, not with sticks. That's the second point. Is this going to build with bricks? Not with sticks. So what, what do the bricks represent? 
It says, if you have the foundation of Christ in your life in the next verses, it says, you'll build with two different types of materials. Gold, silver, costly stones. From now on, those will be bricks. Why? Because the fire won't mess with the bricks. The bricks have already been killed in the fire. I don't know what that means. Killing me something, something. So, uh, the bricks won't burn up, but from now on, wood, hay, and straw will be sticks from now on. So you can build with bricks or you can build with sticks. And if you build with sticks, your work is going to be shown for what it is for the day. We'll bring it to light. It'll be revealed with fire, so on and so forth. So the passage says, whatever you're going to do in life, come on up here, my friend. Come on up here, Paul Epperson. One of our speakers is going to be giving up for Paul Epperson. He's going to be speaking. He's going to be helping me a little bit here. Paul, how many of you all know Paul Epperson? Raise your hand if you know Paul Epperson. Is, is he not? Hey, you got your old fan club over here, man. That's awesome, bro. All right, so take that one right there. Uh, make sure the seals, seals little point right here. And this little point right Make sure that's not in me, okay? All right, so this is, uh, excuse me one second. I got to get right here for I don't know what this looks like, Dwight. I'm still, okay, don't, don't look at this. Okay. okay, good. All right, so now if you build with sticks, well, what do the sticks represent? Wood, hay, and straw, the things are going to be burned off before you get into heaven. The first stick that we could build with is lying. So if you lie about anything, go ahead and just grab that, pull it out, shove it right down in there really hard. Oh, no! Okay, that's good. What did you just do? Okay, grab another one. Oh, okay. Really? All right, this next one represents, this one represents lying. The Bible says, do not lie. Who do you buy? Uh, uh, uh. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Do not lie is one of, the, one of the Ten Commandments. This next one represents cheating. How many of you guys know of somebody, raise your hand if you know of somebody who cheats in this school right here. Who, raise your hand if you know of somebody who cheats. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you know. Just raise your hands. I know you know of somebody who cheats. I was at a youth conference one time with 12,000 students, and almost every kid raised his hand, except for the front row. I said, are you guys homeschooled? They went... I could tell they had made their own food. I'm just kidding. So I'm just, <laughs> that's not funny. Okay, so grab this right here. This next one represents cheating. You're going to have to work this one to get this one in. You're going to lose. Round as a shape, so I'm in shape. Okay, just go ahead and get it. Okay, get to work it in there. That's not going to work. Just kind of, let's just make it go. Okay. Yeah, push it in there. That's good. Okay, okay. That's going in my flesh. Okay, keep going. Oh, that's good. This one represents cheating. The Bible says, uh, God hates cheating scales. Why am I sweating so much up here? God hates cheating scales. Every time we cheat, it's like slapping Jesus in the face. And you know what, Lord, you need to think about getting a job. That's this stick right here. That's a... Right, bring me another one. No, don't bring me that. That was not going to work. Yeah, that'll work. All right, this next one represents stealing. Uh, yeah, put it in the back right here. Wait a minute. Is my shirt getting ripped? Don't rip. That's a nice new shirt from Forge. My boss is right over there. Don't rip his shirt. Okay, easy now. Just go ahead and put it in there. Come on now. Oh, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something stuck. Twist it. Okay, you can go. I'm starting to cry. That one represents stealing. If you steal anything, it's a sin against God, and it's this one right here. Uh, go ahead and bring me another one. This next one is stealing. Every time you steal, uh, I mean, it's all stealing the same. No, there's different types of stealing, but all stealing will separate you from God. So we'll just put them all in one little stick right here. Go ahead and bring me another one right here. Put, it, put this one right here. Uh, this one represents uh, worry. Go ahead and shove it in your heart. Okay. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. Okay. That's, 
Is it in? Every time I've ever done this message, I, I bleed. One time, a guy got these sticks for me, and there was a stick broke open inside my pants, and there were fire ants all in it. And they all bit me at the same time, at the same time. I was talking to a bunch of football players, so I stripped down. I didn't care. Pain, pain, painful. Okay, what was this one again? Worry. That's right. Worry, like I'm doing right now, is not good. So I'm, I'm worrying about a message about worry. So uh, worry is like sometimes people wear it as their clothing. The Bible says, who of you by worrying can add a single second to your life? Some people are consumed by worry. Worry is the exact opposite of worship. Whenever worry is up, worry says, I'm in charge. This is very uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Worry says, I'm in charge. Worship says, whenever worship is up, worship says, God, you're in charge. You're the best. I'm ascribing worth to you. Every time worship is up, worry is down. So some people, some people go to church and then they come back from church. They go to chapel and they come back from chapel. And go, but I don't know why. We just don't fly away because worry just seems to be consuming us. Give me another big one. Give me another one. All right, this next one. Put this one in the back. No, give me that. Give me, yeah, yeah, that was that one. Let's put this one on the back. This one represents gossip is when you talk about someone behind their back. Okay, wait a minute. No, no, I stuck on my skivvies. Got to do this. Am I allowed to say that? Oh, okay. What do you mean, hold on? Okay, that hurt. Gossip is when you talk about someone behind their back in a malicious way. Uh, has a lot to do with clicks. I, I know of a young lady who was... Uh, who asked a little boy, or a little boy asked her if, if he would be, if she would be his boyfriend or girlfriend, and check the box if you say yes. She said, no, my daddy says I can't date until I'm 16. So he went out in the hallway and the little boy cried his eyes out, just cried and cried and cried, and the whole school hated the little girl. And the little girl was cornered in the parking lot And the guys pelted her with rocks. And the whole school year, she was made fun of and insulted. And people talked about her behind her back. So she considered, you know, ending it kind of stuff. When you talk about people behind their back, it's just, it's like the favorite language for women in our Southeast here. Or in the world, really. Men don't gossip as much, <coughs> not because we're holier, but because we're not as smart. Women see things. I've never noticed another woman's shoes in my life, ever, ever. I don't know what your hair looks like. I'm sorry, don't really, don't know. Guy, Squidward, nope, Sponge, nope, Patrick. So the bottom line is, women notice things, and so they'll talk. And it's this stick right here. And very few people know it's a sin directly against God. Bring me another one. This next one represents uh, complaining. Oh, is that one going to fit somewhere? Let's go right here. Will it fit in there? Go ahead, just shove it in there. Oh, my. Oh, my God. I think I just complained about complaining. The Bible says to do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation as you shine out like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of truth. 
The reason why you're not supposed to complain is because every time you complain, you shut your Bible on somebody. It's a sin directly against God. Get, bring, bring me a big one. Give me one of those big, bring me a big nasty one right there. A big one. No, no, the other one on the ground over there. That big one. Put that through here and through here to this hand right here. Go ahead. Okay, okay you got to put it all the way through. It's not going to fit. We're going to keep it off the mic. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Oh. This one's called lust. It puts pressure on all the other sins. It's amazing how our nation is so saturated with lust, and we, we call all, <coughs> all the kind of inappropriate stuff, the sex before marriage, all the sex, all the different types of sex. We, we think it's like a, we have a right and whatnot. It's just, it puts pressure on all the other sins. And it hurts. Sexual sin crushes. And Paul said, if you don't, if you don't agree with what, he, with what he says about it, it's not him that you're disagreeing with, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit for his sanctification. Bring me another one. Bring me, a, bring me another big, huge one, a monster one. Bring me that monster one there. That's a big one. This one here represents racism. Yeah, no, put it, turn it the other way. Let's put it through. Can it, can it go through here? Can it go through here? And put it all the way across here. Okay. Ow! Okay. Yeah, I think it's it. Ah. I want to support them, but I don't want to. Uh, racism. Oh. Goodbye. <sighs> How dare somebody not like somebody because of the color of their skin? That might be one of the stupidest sins I've ever heard of in my life. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. Uh, <sighs> I shouldn't say stupidest. I'm sorry. But it's a sin that just crushes me. One time we had a racial fight on our football team. I think I shared this story at the camp with the, with the athletes. And I said, I'm going to tell you what I think about racism. So I washed a bunch of guys' feet and kissed their feet. And the, the guys who, who, who were uh, in the racial fight ran to each other and hugged each other and cried in each other's arms and whatnot. I think you should take your fist and punch Satan right in the mouth by loving each other. The Bible says to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what I think you should do. It has nothing to do with somebody color of somebody's skin. There's only one, one race, the human race. All right, bring me another one. Raise your hand in here in the room. Bring, bring, yeah, can you find somewhere to put one? Yeah, is there a spot? I don't know if it'll fit. Just put it through here. I'm like tied up. Um, this, yeah, find somewhere to put it. Everyone in the room, here, can you go over this one right here? Yeah, it's up there. That's good. That's good. No. Is it going to stay there? Oh. All right, everyone in the room, raise your hand real quick. Everyone raise your hand. Everyone raise your hand real quick. I'm hurting up here. Hurry up. All right, how many of you guys wrestle with pride? Just want to know. Okay, listen. Uh, that's this one right here. Pride is a nasty sin. It's what got Satan kicked out of heaven. He said, I will ascend. I will set up my assembly on the mountain of the assembly of God. I will, I will, I will. And God said, you will not kick him out. Bring me another one. Bring me another. Just put some big ones up here. Bring me another big one. Yeah, bring me that, bring, yeah, bring me that big one. Why not? Oh, dear. Okay. Um, figure out a way to get it in here. I don't know how we're going to do this. Watch out for that. This is so uncomfortable. Okay, just put it in here. Ah! Maybe we should put it back here like this. Okay. All right. Uh -huh. All right, this one here represents not forgiving somebody when they sin against you. Whenever somebody sins against you and you don't forgive them, it's this stick right here. 
It's like you drinking poison and waiting for them to die when you carry a grudge. Jesus was coming south through Samaria, and the people from Samaria that said, Get out of here, you guys are Jews, we hate your guts. And James and John said, Should we call it on fire to destroy him? And, and Jesus rebuked him and went to another city. A week later, he does the parable of the Good Samaritan. When he's asked, who's my neighbor, he gives the parable of the Good Samaritan a week after the Samaritans would let him stay with him. He never carried a grudge. And when somebody hurts you and you don't forgive them, Scripture says to forgive as the Lord forgave you. It says stick right here. All right, bring me another one. Uh, every time you insult somebody, just find somewhere to put it in. I can't help you. I'm, for some reason, I've never put my hands over a stick like this before. It actually feels like a cross. Jesus carried these sticks. Huh. That's what Dwight told me before the message. Jesus carried the sticks. Go ahead and put them in there. This next one represents whenever you insult somebody, making fun of them. Hey, what's that? Hey, is that your face or is your throat throw up? I'm just kidding, man. It says in Proverbs 26, verses 18 and 19, like a madman who shoots firebrands or deadly arrows is a friend who insults his neighbor and says, I was just kidding. King James Version says, was I not in jest? New American Center says, was I not in sport? Uh, ESV says, was I not in sport? I like just kidding. That's that one right there. Every time you insult somebody. Uh, let's put, put a couple more in here. Uh, how about all the, uh, all the uh, we did lust. I didn't do all the sexual sins. Give me a big one. But, but put a big one here. I'll, we'll just do all the sexual sins at once right in here. And go ahead and put that in there. I think you guys have heard enough um, about that one. Uh, okay. Goodness. All right. Bring me another one. This next one represents uh, drinking and drugs and Put that in there. I got one more. Just do one. Do we have another stick over there? Give me another, give me another one. This one here represents uh, cursing. Whenever we curse, it looks like this right here. I don't know if you notice this or not, but I'm not doing the, uh, the, uh, the typical sins that people... I can't move. Literally can't move. I'm, I'm, I'm just doing the sins that we kind of get used to at a Christian school. You know, lying, cheating, gossip, things that we get used to. I just wanted you to see what you look like, spiritually speaking, with unconfessed sins in your life. Um, I mean, I can move my hip this way. No, that doesn't work. Okay, if I move this way a little bit, I'm taking some pressure off the right side. And I think that's what we do many times. We'll move to try to get pressure off us. Instead of dealing with the sins, we try to move. Like if I stare at you, I can see you. I can see you four ladies right there in the front row. How y'all doing? Like the way you worship. Appreciate that. Welcome to most. And so I can see y'all down there. And it's like this little stick right here. And these over here are like in my way. But I can, I can move a little bit. Oh, I see you better now. I see that. I can see you now. And that's what we've been doing with our sins sometimes. All right, come help me get rid of these things. Please. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Please. Good call. I don't know. Uh, can you get this one off right here? This is about her. Yeah, is that? Okay. You're, you're, you can't get to it yet? Okay, good. Oh. Oh. Straighten, no, no, time out, time out, time out. It really hurts. Uh, straighten up the, uh, the gossip one. The gossip one. Straighten it back up. Straighten it back up. The gossip one. Oh! Oh! oh. oh. Okay, wait a minute. I'm going to have to help you. Okay, this one. Okay, no, not going to come. Let's get that one. Sin does hurt. <laughs> Even sometimes when you're getting rid of it, it hurts. Okay. 
Wow, easy. Okay, get this one now. Oh, Bojica. Thanks, man. Paul, you're so awesome. What is this thing? Which one is this one? Okay, get gossip out of there. It's stuck. It's in my flesh. Careful how you pull it out. Careful how you pull gossip out. No, 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 no. That's not going to come. Let's wait. Let's get. Where's Lisa? Lisa. Please. Please. Help me. Okay. Oh, I don't know which one that one was, but when it got gone, oh, still some other ones. No, not that one. This one, this one right here. Let's get this. Okay. I don't know what that is. No, no. Yes, this one. Okay. Okay. Now see if you, no, don't get gossip. No, 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 no. We're going to have to work on gossip a little bit here. Sometimes there's sins that you kind of get addicted to that grow, take root, and you got to get a counselor or something to help you get, a, get them out. Got to have somebody else help you. Okay, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Oh, and oh, oh, oh. Okay. Okay. I want to show you all something. Wait a minute. See this little thing right here? It's this little thing right here. It's just a little thing. <laughs> oh, my. See, sometimes there's some residue in there. Excuse me for a second here. I don't know if this is inappropriate or not, but I'm going to adjust my belt. Man, that feels so much better. Those are the sticks. But now, what kind of message would this be without us having bricks to build with? Don't build with sticks, build with bricks. Well, what are the bricks? The first brick is called the two cookie principle. I'm sitting down at the work site with Rafa and Homo. homo, homo uh, I'm sitting at the work site with them and I've got two cookies in a bag. Two cookies in a bag. Chocolate chip cookies with peanut butter morsels. Slap a dog good. I've been thinking about it all morning. I can't wait to eat the cookies. Rafa comes up and sits down next to me and says, uh, and Brazilian. I don't know. He says, hey, you got two cookies there. This is not Brazilian. Sorry, it's Portuguese. Okay, just relax. Okay, I got two, got two cookies here. He said, look at that. One, two, there's two of us. Two cookies, two of us. You know what he wants? He wants one of my cookies. So what's the two cookie principle? You take one of the cookies and give it to him. That's not the two cookie principle. You ziplock the bag up. You, you, you say in your heart, this is going to be awesome, and you take both cookies and hand them over. You see, most of our decisions are based on that one foot of life. I want one of those cookies. A little bit of this afterwards, a little bit of look, 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 little issues. Round is a shape, so I'm in shape. A little bit of issues there versus an eternity of reward. When I give both cookies, I get an eternity of reward versus five minutes of satisfaction. And I'm not talking about cookies. I'm talking about everything you own. 
I can't say anything to my little brother about what he's doing. Hey, I love that shirt. Takes it off, throws it at me, and runs. Can't say anything to him. I'll, I'll never, I won't say it again. But those, uh, except when he has those nice shoes on. Hey, those are some. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, 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 so the two cooking principles, the first one. The second one, I was mentored and discipled by a guy named Robertson McCookin. He was a, one of the presidents here at the school. He mentored me, took me under his wing. I'd go into his house, and his wife had Alzheimer's disease. Muriel. And I was in his house one time, and Muriel came walking into the room and starts patting the walls and, and touching the walls. And, and Dwight jumps up in the middle of our conversation, one of the greatest missionary minds in the world, and says to Muriel, Hey, sweetheart. Hey, Kookaburro. Hey, Schmookums. How you doing? And he starts talking. Schmookums talk to her. She turns around, looks at him, and she says, just like that. I was sitting right there. He turns around, and then she turns back around and starts patting the walls again. He turns around and says, did you see that? Tears are coming out of his face. He says, did you see that? She recognized me. And he fumbles and gets into the, into the closet and gets the flag. I put the flag up on the, on the front porch. I said, what's the flag for? It's to tell my neighbors that my wife recognized me today. How long has it been since you put the flag out? Oh, about 30 days. I said, how you doing, Dr. McQuicken? Uh, he says, you mean, how am I doing taking care of my bride? I said, well, yes, sir. How you doing taking care of your bride? He said, well, she can't control herself anymore. She has to wear a diaper. I have to change her diaper multiple times a day. Uh, she can't feed herself anymore. So I have to feed her. We have to keep all the doors locked because she gets out in the streets and stands in the streets with cars swerving around her all the time. Um, she barely ever recognizes me. But you know what, Adrian? I'm praying that she live longer. Sir? Oh, you wonder why I would pray that she would live longer. Adrian, I made a vow 45 years ago, that in sickness and in health, till death do us part, I'm going to love, honor, and cherish you. And he raises his arms in the air and says, I get to love my wife. A few years later, I was in his house and he was uh, talking about how he was in Taiwan preaching. He's one of the most sought after, he was one of the most sought after mission speakers. You've heard him speak before, Dwight. He's one of the most sought after mission speakers in the world. He was in Taiwan preaching. And he said, he said, he started running laps to, to try to stay. The guy's 80 something years old, running laps. And he said he got to lap number three when he had intended to run four laps. And he was sweating because Taiwan, it was so humid and it was so hot. He could, and, he, and he was soaking wet. He said, I don't need to run four. Why do I need to run four? Then he raises his little thin arms in the air and says, one more for Muriel. I want to be the one who buries her. And he ran four laps. One time we were talking down the road. He lived right down the road here in Monticello. And in the middle of our conversation, he jumps up and runs into the back room because Muriel's in a coma at this time. And she has a room with her own bed, and she's just going, <laughs> barely making it. And he jumps up and runs back into the room. So I jump up and run behind him. He didn't know I was behind him. He turns the light on and says, oh, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. I was talking to Adrian in the other room. I didn't know it got dark. I didn't notice that it got dark out. I just recognize it just now. I know you don't like it when you're sitting in the dark. And he starts kissing all over her face. And I saw it, y'all. I saw it. And, the, and the, the doctors can't believe what happened. But her mouth curled up into a smile like this. And she's in a coma with Alzheimer's, severe Alzheimer's. And she still smiled. And he said, you always give me smiles when I give you kisses. I went, I'm not supposed to be here. Went back and got into my seat. He never knew I was there. He said, Adrian, uh, he told me that he was praying that he would be able to hold her when she passed away. 
About a month later, he woke up in the middle of the night. Have you heard this story, Dwight? Woke up in the middle of the night and ran down and picked up Muriel. And she breathed twice in his arms and passed away in his arms. And it was 24 years of him taking care of her 24-7. A lady from the American University wrote a book called The Eight Greatest Quotes of Her Life. And one of the quotes came from Dr. McQuilkin, U.S. Uh, New York Times bestseller book. One of the quotes came from McQuilkin. She said, put her in a home she doesn't even recognize you. He didn't even hesitate. I recognize her. Let me just say this right now. Gentlemen, love your wives. Brick! Brick. Wives, love your husbands. Brick! Forever brick. Maybe walk up to somebody out of the blue, out of, just out of the blue. Walk up to somebody and encourage them out of nowhere. Uh, for, ladies, walk up to another lady and say, I love your hair. Uh, guys, don't do that because it sounds like you're flirting. But go, hey, I love your hair. Walk up to a guy and say, hey, have you been lifting? And guys go, a little bit. <laughs> Over there. On that side of the gym. I mean, walk up to somebody out of nowhere and share Jesus with them. Maybe in, in, encourage somebody. Go take, take some food to your neighbor. Take some food to your neighbor. Brick. Share Jesus with somebody. Brick. Cinder block. Every time I was trying to build this house, this uh, one foot wall, about a one foot, one and a half foot brick wall, about 12 foot wide. And it took me three or four days to get this mortar right. It was nasty. It split right down the middle. It was the worst thing. It was ugly. Down the road, there was a guy uh, 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 bricking up the whole front of a house. He did it all in one day. And I thought, what in the world? I can't do a one foot high, 12 foot wide brick wall. Then it hit me. Building a bricks is going to take a little bit of practice on our part. Just practice. Build one brick at a time, and brick by brick he'll lead me, and I will build for you all of my days. Just brick, and just brick, and just brick. And then eventually, you get pretty good at it. Eventually. Wouldn't it be great to have a big old monster mansion at the end made of bricks where the big bad wolf can't come and blow it down? Now for the finished product. First point, don't have an empty lot. Second point, build with bricks, not with sticks. Third point, the finished product. There was a uh, carpenter who had a, uh, a business, a multi-million dollar business, a, 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 a president of a company. And his head carpenter had worked with him for 25 years, and he never got thanked for 25 straight years. He had been his head guy, his head guy. And, he, and he, he, the president called him in. He said, I'm getting ready to retire. And the carpenter knew that when this guy retires, he's not going to be on his ear. He's not going to have a job anymore. He said, I'm getting ready to retire, but I want you to build me one more mansion. This time, I want it to be a third larger than my other mansion. The, the first one was 15,000 square feet. This next one's going to be 20,000 square foot mansion. You understand what I'm saying, Derek? It is a, it's a monster house. He's, he's wringing his hands together, the president's going back and forth, and he's thinking, I want you to use the best subcontractors, the best everything. I want you to use grade A lumber, three-quarter inch fireproof drywall. I want you to use everything. You, I want five, six, seven, ten-piece trim. 
I want it to be the most immaculate house you, you've ever done. And the carpenter's sitting there thinking, you haven't thanked me in 25 years. You don't need another house. We just finished your 15,000 square foot house. You don't need another house. I'm going to get mine. So you know what he did? He cut corners. <laughs> he bought the best stuff, waited a month until the credit line was cleared, and then he exchanged it for the cheaper stuff. Instead of the three-quarter-inch fireproof drywall, he got the quarter-inch drywall. If you breathe on it, it moves a little bit. He got some cheap old carpenter, some cheap old painter, Rafa. What in the world? He got some cheap old guys in there. Putty and paint makes the carpenter what he ain't anyway. So the, the house looked great when it was done. It's going to look good for about four or five months. But the guy cut every corner he could cut. The president comes in the house, and he's wringing his hands, and he's so excited. He doesn't investigate the house like he's done every time before. He walks in the house and says, this is the best job you've ever done to the carpenter. It's the best job you've ever done. And for 25 years, I've never thanked you. So he reaches in the pocket and takes the keys of the house out and says, it's yours. One of these days, one out of every one of us in the room are going to die. Or be raptured. It'll be at least seven years from now. Just kidding. Loosen up, Lisa. So I'm just saying, one out of every one of us are going to die. It's not a morbid thought to me. I probably will be the first. Bless my heart. I'm trying to lose weight. Dwight, I know I'm trying to lose weight. So I'm just saying, one out of every one, wouldn't it be great... Uh, see, it's like this song by a group called Eli. It's called That's All the Lumber. And a guy has a, he has a dream and, that he dies and goes to heaven. And he's in front of this huge mansion. And St. Peter says, no, you're down the road a little bit. Big mansion, a little smaller mansion, a little smaller mansion. All the way down to a two-room shack. And St. Peter said, that's what you got right there. He said, is that all I get? And St. Peter said, that's all the lumber you sent me. Right now, we are building our mansion in glory. Right now, you're either using the best materials, loving your neighbor, or you're taking shortcuts. You know, I was uh, walking through this house and uh, saw this picture on a wall. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a guy named Kant von Zinzendorf. I had to say that word just for therapy. I use it for therapy. It's kind of, Kant von Zinzendorf started a 100-year prayer chain. Holy, mission-minded, godly, a 100-year prayer chain that led to missions all over the world. Kant von Zinzendorf. <laughs> That's a great name, by the way. You know how it started? Dwight, do you know how it started, how Kant von Zinzendorf started? He saw this picture on a wall. Kant von Zinzendorf said Saw a picture on the wall, and his heart was struck by it and burning in his heart, and his heart was struck by the Spirit of God. Well, I was walking through this house in central Indiana, and I saw this picture on the wall. I said, Hey, that's pretty cool, and kept on walking. Went, No. Stopped and came back and stared at it some more. I went, Huh? That's kind of weird. That's good. That's good. Hour and a half later, I'm on my knees weeping. My clothes are soaking wet from my tears. Big puddle right there in front of me. The doctor and his wife who are hosting me for the week there in central Indiana are on their knees in the kitchen with big puddles of tears in front of them too. Spirit of God's all over the house. Spirit of God spoke to my heart and I believe he said, Adrian, this is what I want for you. So let me share the picture that consumed me at the beginning of my preaching career. 
that made me go through all kinds of crud and not even care about it for a second. When people would take advantage of me as a preacher, I've never, Johnny V, I've never said this in public in my life ever. But sometimes speakers get taken advantage of. I spoke at this one camp eight days. There were guys running through the woods saying some demon was chasing them and a witch's coven of 30, uh, prayed for 30 days, fasted for 30 days that that camp would be destroyed. And I'm watching all this and thinking, what in the world? So I said, oh, the witch is coming. I'm just going to fast one day. And boom, revival broke out in the camp. I was sick for five or six days after it. Wore me out. They gave me $147.50. For <laughs> college students, that actually seems like a lot. But it's not when you got four kids. And I look back at this picture and I think, I don't care if I get abused every stinking time. I, I couldn't care less. Now, I've been really, 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 like amazingly blessed a billion times over. So I don't want to do the sob story here. But here's the picture. I'll give you the picture. And by the way, the host family sent that picture to me. It has a, a rainbow in the background symbolizing the covenant that God had made with Noah that he would never destroy the earth again by a flood. The promise of God. Two hands silhouetted, symbolizing God. In between the two hands was a dove symbolizing the Holy Spirit. All that was cool. I'm not very artsy. I like art, but I'm not an artsy kind of guy, which is okay. I like art, though. None of that really caught my eye. What caught my eye was the guys in the foreground. Two guys were sitting there. One guy, you could see the back head all white on. Apparently, he had just died and was on his way into heaven. And you could see his back. You couldn't see his face. The other guy, you could see his forearms were flexing. You could see his flexing forearms. And one looked like his hand was rubbing rubbing him. And and it was an artist's portrayal of the face of Christ right here. And on his face was a big smile. (laughs) It was like smiling really big. And on his cheek was a tear. And I couldn't take my eyes off the tear. I went, oh. Is it possible? Is it possible that when I die, Jesus is going to be happy to see me? Yes! yes. He's going to go, ha, 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 look what you've done. Wait till you see what I got for you. Come on in. It's going to be awesome. I know for a fact one of these days I'm going to die. I mean, God, I will be on the floor under the floor. I'll be under the carpet. He's a, he's a savior of my soul. Wouldn't it be great to have Jesus say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with these little things. Wait till you see what I got for you. When they sent me the picture, this is going to sound a little cheesy. I don't mean to be cheesy. I'm sorry. There was no tear on the guy's cheek in the painting. I just imagined it the whole time. Weird. I just saw a tear. And it broke my heart. Here's the really, let me say it this way. I need a big stick. Here's the really good news. The really good news is right now, right now, a lot of us have, me included, Got a lot of these sins. But the good news is, 
right now, uh, <laughs> right now. Ah, no, no. <laughs> this is stupid. No. No, no, they're all living. Ah, this is living, but it's still, come on, come on, no. Right now, right now, we can get rid of our sticks. Tonight, tonight, the grace of God, the mercy of God is he'll forgive every one of them. That's why he died. He can't wait to forgive you. All you got to do is ask. So over here, I've got a bunch of little sticks that have a bunch of little twigs on them. Over there too, the garbage can here. If you're interested, would you come down and break off about, I don't know, about 10 inches? Break off about 10 inches. Walk somewhere in the room. Get on your knees. Tell the Lord you're sorry about your sticks. Then when you're done with that, walk up to the garbage can. Oh my God! Heavy garbage can. Walk up to the garbage can. Seriously. Throw them away. If you don't have any sticks, unconfessed sins, or some of you might not have any unconfessed sins, that's cool. Some holy dudes in here. I got that. If you don't have any sticks, please remain seated. But when I'm done praying, if you have any sticks you'd like to get rid of, come up and grab a stick, break it off. Go somewhere on your knees in the room. Tell the Lord you're sorry. Confess your sins. The word confess in the Greek means to call it the same. Call your sins the same as God calls them. Tell Him you're sorry. See, this is different than the shame we dealt with this morning. This is dealing with guilt, things that we've done wrong. We just tell God we're sorry. That helps us get rid of the shame as well. Matter of fact, some of you may even deal with that stuff that you want to deal with this morning with shame. Go somewhere. Shame is what people put on you, and even you put on yourself. So if God calls you amazing and you call yourself horrible, call yourself shameful, that's disagreeing with God. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. I pray in Jesus' name that you put your finger right on our sins. And I pray, Lord, that we get rid of them all. Figure the only way possible is if you do it. The only way possible. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.